Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. With SNL at home off for the summer, we thought it would be fun to review the remaining seven digital exclusive sketches that never made it to air and determine which one is the best of the rest. I'm Catherine Coleman, and with me as always is Steve Finn and John Murray. If you'd like to connect with any of us, you can do so at snlpodcast.com. Enjoy the following selected highlights from this week's discussion, and if you'd like to hear our full-length ad-free episode, it's available exclusively for our patrons at patreon.com slash snlpodcast. It's our patrons who make the cast possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash snlpodcast. All right, here we go. All right, guys. So with these last seven homestretch cut for time sketches, we will wrap up our SNL season 45 coverage. Mm -hmm. Which we have certainly been milking. (laughs) Yeah, we we made it all the way to August just riding the the coattails (laughs) of season 45's uh, Jetsam and Flotsam. But yeah, this is it. This will completely wrap up every sketch officially produced for the show during season 45 and uh, whatever season 45 turned into. So It'll be nice mm-hmm. to finally be able to put an official bookend on it. Um, yeah. But actually, before we start looking back on uh, what's left to cover for season 45, we need to tackle a patron question because as our audience hopefully is aware, when you become a Patreon patron, uh, you run the show. If you've got a question, if you've got a talking point and topic, anything you want us to cover, show ideas, your requests go to the top of the stack. It's all about you if you're a patron. So uh, our patron T Jones uh, checked in earlier today and said that they wanted us to speculate on what the show might look like if it comes back in the fall. And then also whether we expect to see any cast changes or new hires. So a loaded question. We don't have a whole lot of information to go on, but Catherine, you have any thoughts on that? What what do you think the state of the show is going to be in say the end of September, early October? Yeah, I've seen some headlines coming up saying uh, that they think they're going to be back in the studio and that's what they're aiming for. Mm -hmm. I do not have high hopes that that's going to happen. I think that's a little bit wishful thinking. If they do, it's certainly with no audience. And I think we're seeing sort of that downfall in cases right now, but by the end of like August or like even like mid-September probably is when it'll really probably come back up. I think they're going to have to put the kibosh on that. So hopefully, I'd like to think that means we'll maybe start the season with some at-home episodes if they can't get in the studio. I would love to see it happen. I just I don't have high hopes for a studio uh, season premiere. Okay, we'll we'll tackle the cast stuff after. Steve, what do you got on the whole state of the show aspect of T Jones's question? Well, if it doesn't look like what it did the last few episodes, if it's not SNL at home uh, 2.0, mm-hmm. then we can probably look at what Jimmy Fallon is doing on the tonight show as an example of what it might look like. Right. Because we obviously have him in studio with no audience. So that's a given there, but uh, yeah, clearly you can see he's not as well groomed. So maybe <laughs> hair and makeup and some of those other departments are going to, aren't going to come back in full. Maybe they won't even bring back the full band because we see on stage how close together they are, but yeah, I can see it being, done in in studio if it's a more stripped down version right and i don't know maybe it might work better from home if they have to live with that i mean that charm that was running through those last few episodes at the snl from home segment of the season they were a lot of fun 
So maybe they want to harness that magic and just run with it. So those are your two options, basically. Mm -hmm. The thing with Jimmy is he's he's yet to have any guests, right? It's just him on camera. Yeah, remote guests. Yeah, so that's sort of the other thing is like, sure, we can get like the crew in there and have them socially distanced. But to do a sketch, you're going to have to break social distance with your castmates, right? Right. Uh, so I think that would be the bigger hurdle. Sure. I mean, they've figured it out before, you know, doing crazy stuff. Maybe they can work it out. But I think that would be a hurdle to that approach. Right. The cast would have to agree to be in some kind of bubble, like you see in uh, <laughs> some of the film sets that are starting up again. All the crew, all the cast, they're kind of sticking together for the uh, yeah <laughs> for the thick of it. Yeah, you, you kind of have to minimize like external exposure, right? So that the production can just kind of be in its own little world. For, <laughs> you can only for see yeah. each other, right? Um, I've been mulling this over, and I think they will be back. At least I'm I'm hopeful that they'll be back in studio. I think the at home editions were great for what they were, which is let's rally and figure out how to make the best of a bad situation. But I don't think that you can build a season of SNL around that format. I think it was novel. I think it worked for what it was. But I think that should be the end of the road for that um, because it's really not SNL. And at a certain point, the show has to sort of assert itself and say, well, we're going to figure out how to be SNL again. Or Mm -hmm. maybe we're just going to take a hiatus because we know that it doesn't make sense to bring people into the studio. and We just can't have a show without an audience or whatever. Um, So I, I think it should be an all or nothing proposition. And I'm hoping that it is let's get into studio eight H and let's figure out how to work with the unions to figure out distancing. Um, make sure we only have a skeleton crew in the studio space when we're doing production so that as much as possible, people can keep their distance masks, daily temperature checks, you know, all of that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, overhead to make sure that they mitigate any possible exposure. I think they're at the point where they're willing to consider that and, and say, okay, how the show must go on. So what do we have to do to make it viable? My hunch is that they'll probably lean a lot more heavily into pre-tape segments because that's the kind of stuff that you can bank a little bit from, from week mm-hmm. to week, hopefully. And um, if, if rather than expect to produce a full show with the typical amount of live content, if they spun off more film units and more pre-tapes and more just sort of like novel sketch approaches that don't have to be performed in 8H, they can round out a show almost end to end without a whole lot of live fare. And then Mm -hmm. that way you minimize the actual amount of people that you need in studio, the number of sets that need to be built, the number of, you know, just the scale mm-hmm. of the production can be more modest if maybe they just limit it to the political cold open. Cause we're going into an election. So SNL needs to make hay election seasons. That, that should be mm-hmm. another reason that's probably pushing them to want to do it in studio and do it upright so that they get those ratings of like, look at the stunt SNL's pulling out in the midst of COVID, you know, nothing's going to stop them from having something to say about this election cycle. I figured they got to at least do the cold opens and maybe you know, one live sketch per half and maybe weekend update, because those are all aspects of the show that you could probably pull off in a COVID scenario. Mm-hmm. Right? You can do weekend update. You know, if yeah. Jost and Che decide that they're in each other's bubble, you know, and <laughs> they're going to let themselves sit at the desk and, and they, they figure out how to make that work and maybe just don't have as many cameras on them or whatever, just, you know, simplify it as much as possible to, to keep the studio itself as safe as possible. I think there's a show to be built. I just think a lot of it has to be a, a little more sequestered and a little bit more um, predetermined and and produced uh, in such a way that uh, it's sort of like SNL light, but still 
there has to be some live component to it. Yeah. Hopefully a celebrity host in play. Uh, that might be awkward. You know, maybe it's just the cast doing their thing and they have to forego that or they, they have a remote host or maybe it's just Jimmy Fallon because he's already cleared to be in the building and they just bring him in every week. <laughs> you know, him and Seth Meyers just kind of take turns or whatever. Who knows? Like there's a lot that they still have to figure out, but I think there's a way forward for the show. And I don't think a full season of SNL at home is going to cut it. Not, not if you want to keep people coming back week over week, there has to be some danger to SNL. There has to be some yeah. like, you know, some meat and something unique about the production. And, uh, I hope that they, they find their path through that and figure out a safe way to bring everyone back. Cause otherwise what's everyone going to be doing? And I think that probably brings us to the <laughs> second half of the question. So Steve, we'll start with you. Um, cast turnover. Do you think anyone's leaving at this point? Do you think they're thinking about hiring anyone or have anyone in their back pocket at this point? We are into August. So this is the time typically when decisions start to get made. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. And it's around the time we'd be hearing some stuff. The only thing I know for sure is that Melissa's coming back. She said it herself. Right. So we have confirmation on her. (laughs) And I don't know, just the lack of rumble about anything leads me to believe that there's going to be no changes at all. I don't see anybody leaving. And if they were planning to leave, I think COVID might have changed their plan on how they leave. Maybe we don't get a full season of some of the, the vets like Cecily and Kate and 80. Maybe they got a a run of three or four episodes to give them a proper send off because I mean, it's not like they're rushing to get to another project. There's not a whole lot that they can do instead of SNL. Right. So why not? Right. At least just to stick around to be given the respects that you deserve after being on the show for so long. Yeah. Catherine, what do you think? Yeah, I think we've sort of touched on it before. And Steve, you mentioned just now. I don't, I find it hard to believe that any cast members would be leaving under these circumstances. Some of them, I doubt they have fully decided what the next season looks like. Cause you know, I think it'd be great to say, yeah, I'll do one more half season. And then that half season turns out to be weird. And then maybe they want to stay on another sure. one. Uh, so it's with so much up in the air. I feel like it's hard for even them to know. I do know that they were scouting some writers. I don't know if that was just for the routine of it or if they're actually looking to bring some people on. But, you know, it'd be a weird time to start new at the show with, you know, the routine of it (laughs) upended for sure. (laughs) Wouldn't be be my ideal time to walk in the room. So I wouldn't be surprised if there were no changes. Yeah. Writer turnover is, that's a, an ongoing thing at the show, even mid season, you know, there's a lot of reshuffling uh, as people find their groove or don't find their groove. The show is pretty quick Mm -hmm. to try to keep (laughs) some, you know, fresh blood. So I could see them maybe hiring some writers. Maybe they're looking for some people that have already proven that they can adapt to sort of like a more isolated scenario where they don't, they're not part of a troop or a team where uh, they mm-hmm. need to synergize with other people. Maybe they have a clear voice and the show recognizes that there's probably a place for that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even as just a, a, a short contract of, you know, we, we need to generate more ideas right now because it's, it's harder to collaborate. So let's get in a few fresh voices that maybe have some stuff already in their back pocket that we can just round out the first half of the season with. Writing, uh, they've always got to be keen to right. keeping as much creative juices flowing. So uh, that would make sense. I don't see them bringing in a whole lot of new players. They built out their their featured player ranks over the last couple seasons, and we still have a few fresh faces that um, have yet to really ascend and get to kind of the, the top of the heap. And those guys are all doing great. So I don't know what they would be looking for to round out the ensemble. And unless they knew that like Keenan was gone and they knew they really had mm-hmm. to start just 
bringing people through, you know, <laughs> uh, until they find their next kind of figurehead or whatever potential, you know, replacement for Keenan. Uh, and unless, you know, they know that there's someone on the way out, that's going to leave a big hole in the show. I can't see them wanting to do any hiring in this situation, especially cause that right. becomes a, an awkward trial by fire for that cast member. And how do you even know if they're doing well, right? Like they don't, <laughs> nobody knows what they're doing week to week to even mm-hmm. like help this person get their groove. They wouldn't know what they're walking into or, or yeah, just how do you catch your stride in that? So it seems like a bad time to be doing any hiring. And like you guys already said, it's also a bad time for most people to be thinking about moving on because everything's up in the air other than Keenan's show getting picked up. You know, a lot of, a lot of the players do have uh, sort of like streaming service stuff. Um, they have different projects going on that way or that have already dropped or are slated to drop. So we know that they have been doing other stuff, but I, I don't think there's a whole lot that would be like, well, I can't do this and SNL. It's just kind of like their summer stuff from last year. So mm-hmm. I think, I think we're going to see a very similar lineup from the cast and I don't expect to see any fresh faces. And, uh, T Jones, I think you got your money's worth on that question. <laughs> All right, Catherine, I'm going to throw back to you. Why don't you uh, get us into our sketch rundown for the night? Yeah, let's get to it. Up first, we have a rap song about going to the club, but while staying home. Yes. So, Steve, how'd you feel about it? All relatable stuff for sure. And on top of all of it, I feel it was, uh, it slept. This was <laughs> a... Uh, this was a slap in tune. Now it didn't reach the heights of some of the lonely Island stuff, which is kind of hard to do, but you know, this was a jam to enjoy outside of the humor. This was a fun track, but, uh, as for the humor of it, I thought it was great. It's really fun to observe how certain behaviors and cultures really depend on the location for it all to make sense. So you take that, you know, clubbing lifestyle and put it in your tiny little apartment (laughs) and it all just becomes so ridiculous. I mean, I always found the club lifestyle ridiculous, but this is, you know, whole new lens to that. Yeah. I think Ego was the shining star here. I think she had probably the best verse and she really had a lot of fun with it. Some of the best rhymes were hers. Table coffee was one of my (laughs) favorite parts. And I, I liked how, you know, you always have that soft-spoken member of the hip-hop group, mm. and they took that <laughs> idea and turned it into <laughs> Keenan with his sleeping family and right. the baby that you can't wake up. That was a really <laughs> great angle to, to come from with that, and it was addressing a trope of the musical genre, but also, you know, addressing something that a lot of people can relate to during COVID. So, good stuff here. Yeah, this was a fun one. I agree that Ego probably had the best verse. I think she was really sort of getting into, yeah, I'm the DJ, I'm the bartender, sort of that vibe of it, which I thought was the funniest angle on it. Uh, I wish they would have done a little bit more with that angle. But, you know, this was this was fun for me. It wasn't it wasn't the best of our musical sketches, but it worked. I think my favorite part was just I want to give a quick shout out to Chris's Barack Obama windbreaker. I think it was because <laughs> that's just delightful. <laughs> John, what do you think? Uh, I don't have a whole lot to add that you guys haven't already touched on. I thought it was good. Not great. Like I, I think it was a, a fun premise, pretty obvious, right? Like pretty much all the musical mashups we've had are how do we cope with some aspect of being isolated at home? Uh, so this was in the same vein as a lot of what made it to air. So I would have liked to have seen this maybe in place of maybe one of Pete's outings that I, I mm-hmm. felt was a little flat. Um, 
but you know, on, on par with what we saw. So I, I don't think this was a, a tragedy that it was cut, but at the same time, I did have fun with it. It was amusing. And yeah, Keenan being limited to low tones. Cause yeah, no matter what room <laughs> he goes into, he's got to be worried about some sleeping kid. That's fun. Yeah. How do you, how do you be like a baller rapper <laughs> in the midst <laughs> of your suburban life? Fun, fun enough. Uh, I liked it. Just, I'm not going to give it super high marks. We have seen better. Yeah. So like a constrained win. Yeah, no, definitely a win. Just, yeah, not not tops for for this particular uh, COVID rap genre that the show has established. <laughs> I would like to see the iTunes chart. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's keep going. Up next, Kyle's strange neighbor shares some very specific quarantine tips about fart sniffing and throat spitting. <laughs> John, what did you think of this one? It won me over. It started out a little slow and I, I wasn't really won over by Beck's character. It just seemed like one more imbecilic character from Beck mm-hmm. and, and he has a deep well uh, of those <laughs> sort of characters. So uh, I, I wasn't really loving it out of the gate, but at a certain point you, you get a sense that the, uh, the Beck character is beyond just being flawed and just like really, okay, what's the right word to use? Don't use the wrong word mentally deficient, you know, beyond just being obnoxious. Like you, there, there was a lot that was just off. And I, I started to sort of fill in the backstory for this guy and, and maybe some of the, just the, the, the trauma or tragedy of his life that brought him to the point where he's desperately seeking companionship from Kyle's character. So at a certain point, the character did win me over and then he teleports at the end and I'm like, okay, you obviously didn't have an ending. So this is what we get. Um, so this qualified win because I did get some amusement out of the back and forth and some of the bizarre stuff that they touched on, like the throat spinning game, but not exceptional. Yeah, I agree. It was, it grew on me, uh, the first time I watched it. And then when I rewatched it, I was like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Once is enough. I, I'll, I'll right. give you that. It's, this doesn't have great rewatchability. And it's, it's long. Yeah. Or it felt long. I don't actually know how long <laughs> it was. Um, just the whole game of it is like weird guy, right? Mm. Which isn't a very strong game for a sketch. And then part of it made me feel a little uncomfortable because I was like, well, it, does he have a disability maybe? Like, right. are we punching down? Is that, this feels weird. <laughs> so like some things, you know, were working for me, but overall, yeah cut it for sure sure. all right (laughs) steve well now your punching down theory here is making me regret (laughs) oh you're gonna give it high marks (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it was there was fun to be had with it i'll take anything that's a mix of kyle and beck even if they're just mishmashed together and some you know some editing magic i actually forgot that they weren't doing this probably in the same city. I think Kyle's mm. in LA while Beck's in, in New York. So mm. <laughs> I think they did well editing together and making, making it just look natural enough. Right. But you got to give it to Kyle. I mean, Kyle can only play the, the straight man to something that Beck is doing. I think <laughs> Beck is just the only guy weird enough for Kyle to not look ridiculous, trying to be the straight person of a sketch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We, we've seen it in, uh, uh, del taco commercial it's it's a certain kind of dynamic they have uh that allows kyle to actually be the normal one for once Mm -hmm. i can see where john's coming from with the ending of the sketch not knowing how to end but this is this is what they do this is this is greta gerwig lowering herself out of frame like (laughs) they try to surprise you almost every sketch they do with some kind of ending that's 
it's not even any element that was introduced earlier into the sketch. There's no brick. It's just where the hell did that come from? Right. And it's a bewilderment moment. Yeah. It's a bewilderment moment. And maybe it feels cheap, but it, it tickles me the right way every time. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I think you're right. It might have been a little too long. You know, throat spitting and, and fart sniffing might have done better to be kind of made into a hybrid of some kind just to save <laughs> some time. But yeah, maybe it was best left out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You did a full about face. You you sing its praises for five minutes and you're like, yeah, <laughs> drop it. Well, just because I enjoy it doesn't mean I see it working in the show. True. Sure. Yeah, yeah. True. All right. Well. Let's leave that one in the dust. Uh, I think it, that's where it, I'm comfortable with it being. <laughs> so the next one is uh, all about Dr. Burks. She knows that we only care about her scarves, and so now she's going to sell them to us. Steve, how'd you feel about this ad? I'm happy to see this. You know, maybe this could have been in the in the show because I'm totally on board for calling out people who focus on the wrong things when we really should be listening to what these people say and, and, and acknowledging their credentials, this is a, a very brilliant way of, of poking at that. You know, we've, we've seen it a lot, you know, Her- Howard Dean's scream or Obama's tan suit. There's always something <laughs> that they're using to distract you from what you really should be listening to. And I love the way that this imagining of Dr. Burke's that Chloe's doing kind of embraces it, but also not, you know what I mean? She's, Kind of using it as a backhanded yeah. uh, way of telling you, you know, pay attention to what I'm saying. It's a, it's a passive aggressive dig at people's mm-hmm. superficiality. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is pretty brilliant and it, it played well for sure. Yeah. I liked this one. Um, I'm not super familiar with Dr. Burks. I guess I'm, I've been skipping the news conferences, but it's funny. I was familiar enough with the general idea of, we, especially Americans, love to just latch on to some bullshit detail <laughs> and just run with it. Even even if you like the person, if you support them, if you don't, like, we love to just pull some, like, weird detail and, like, that's what defines them. Um, so I really like that they did the commentary on that. But besides that, I don't have a whole lot to say about the impression or anything. Uh, John? I think you guys covered it. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I think Chloe does a an admirable run at Dr. Burke's. Like, obviously there's such an age disparity there that it's kind of hard to get lost in the impression, but mm-hmm. she, she put some, some strain on her voice, a little gravel, you know, to give her a little bit of age. And, uh, it was working. Chloe, you know, sh- she's always competent, even when it, it seems like it might be something that she's trying out for the first time. Uh, she, she brought her all to it. I respect that. And I, I like the underlying joke, the idea of mm-hmm. this really competent woman at the top of her field with credentials coming out the wazoo and still it's all just distilled down to fashion. It's, it's this Kardashian culture that takes mm-hmm. over even in the midst of a pandemic. I, I think that there's something being said there yeah. that really amused me. And the fact that she's not oblivious to it, that she's trying to uh, like Steve said, sort of passive aggressively attack, you know, that, that notion that she can be summed up by her scarves and, and uh, I just, I like it. I, I like a character that has a little bit of simmer. And uh, so there, there was some stuff here that I was enjoying. Not yeah. tops for the night, but I did have fun with this. <laughs> yeah, this is one. Uh, I think there were a few sketches that were cut, but also made it to the show that I didn't feel like had a ton to say. Mm. Whereas this one did. So yes. I think while it's not my favorite by any means, it's, I think I would have been fine with this being in the show because it had a point and it had like a message. It was a little that. smarter than you would think mm-hmm. at first glance. Absolutely. Moving right along, we're speeding through them. In our next sketch, Mikey visits Melissa's Animal Crossing Island, Dog Crap City. (laughs) 
John? I so wanted to like this. <laughs> um, my biggest problem with this sketch is that even when Melissa has to act offended and incensed, she's still just laughing a little bit. Like she is just so tickled and always having so much fun. Mm-hmm. It seems like with everything she does that it's hard to take her serious as the offended person that, that doesn't understand Fair. what's going on. Cause there is just, there, there's a, there's a little bit of smirking and winking and, and just, <laughs> I'm glad that her and Mikey had some fun throwing this together, but it doesn't feel like there's any real stakes here. Cause it, it feels a little too goofy for the, the offense to land. That's fair. But still you take what you have to work with. Maybe this is a game that they, kill some time with back when they were working on the 17th floor and they thought that you know they know enough of the tropes of the game that they could pull something together i i like the try i really appreciate the try but it just it was it was a little lightweight for me do you uh play animal crossing no and maybe if i did then i'd find like melissa at the very beginning she's like who's this and she does like a little chitter and mikey Mm -hmm. knows right away who that is so i'm sure there's a little bit of inside baseball there that went over my head Mm -hmm. but just the joke itself that this game has it in for melissa I think she needs to be more devastated and just sort of like right. more emotionally torn down for that joke to really be punchy. So yeah. uh, that's why I say it just felt a little lightweight. So for the Animal Crossing fans, <laughs> I will say that this one was fairly popular. Okay. <laughs> Within the community, this killed. Now, I will agree with you. Like, did Melissa sell it? Like totally being offended? No. But like, it's fine because it's Animal Crossing and we just love anything Animal Crossing. Okay. Um, so I was, I was really hoping to get an Animal Crossing sketch because it was like such a big thing around this time. It came out like in April. It was like quickly outsold like a bunch of games. So I was hoping they would, they would do this. I think there are other ways they could have gone that maybe would have been more successful, but I liked it. And it's sort of playing to this thing where like there's certain villagers in Animal Crossing that like people sort of make fun of online. So I feel like they were taking that and being like, what if your villagers treated you like garbage? Um, and so I thought I was really having fun with it. I really liked it. But I I, I see what you're saying, John, and I, I agree with you, but it's still a win for me. Sure. Coming into it cold, I'm sure that it doesn't have the charm of someone that right. understands why this is exceptionally funny when you're right. when you can compare your own experiences of the game. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> Steve, what did you think? And do you play Animal Crossing? I don't play Animal Crossing. I hardly play any video games. So I didn't know what I was supposed to know, what kind of frames of reference I was supposed to be utilizing. It certainly stunted how much enjoyment I could get out of a sketch like this. Uh, It's kind of funny just to watch someone never be able to get a leg up and and just kind of be frustrated and bewildered by what's going on. Uh, All that stuff is pretty universal. And it did make me wonder, you know, is there something you can do in the game to make everyone mad at you? Is it like Skyrim where you commit enough crimes in a city? Everybody's like, Hey, you're that guy. We, we don't no. like you put you in jail. Yeah. But like they said, it's a, it's a kid's game. So right. I think a lot of the humor just comes from the fact that so many people are familiar with these sweet, adorable characters and they would never speak right. to anyone like that. I bet you there was a lot of fun to be had by animal crossing players. I probably won't start playing it. These video <laughs> games are for children. But uh, <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> I'm Hot kidding. Take. So Animal Crossing uh, hits and misses, depending on maybe your exposure to it overall is what it relies on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a risk you take if you want to go down that road. Right. All right. Well, let's keep going. Our next one has Jaden acting out in lockdown. But unfortunately, Jaden is a grown man <laughs> who should know better. So, uh, John, how'd you feel? Uh, this is one that ended up winning me over in the last scene. Uh, that's where it kind of crystallized the whole premise. I think they needed to state from the get-go and they did kind of like he was holding wine from the get-go, but in this world, 
you don't understand if this guy is like genuinely juvenile or if it's all the alcohol doing it. So I just needed the mm-hmm. rules to be spelt out a little bit better. But by the end, you know, we'd run through enough scenarios that we understood what this lady's dealing with in, in this man baby. And uh, <laughs> it's basically the wine, you know, reverting him into this petulant two-year-old. And then the the scene of Alex in the tub covered in <laughs> acrylic paint uh, <laughs> with 23 on his forehead this went to some fun places. So I, I got to applaud it for that. It was just a little muddy out of the gate for me to understand mm-hmm. exactly what the takeaway was, but I did enjoy it. Thumbs up. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, they technically did say it, but it wasn't fully sold, especially yeah. in this world where we, we know that we sometimes have adults play children. It was a little unclear. Overall, I just sort of feel like it was an excuse for Alex to play around and be sure. a goofy kid yeah. uh, with not a lot to say, but I do feel like there was somewhere they could have gone with this with like quarantine is sometimes bring is bringing out the worst in us. And a lot of us are, you know, maybe spiraling and reverting to like bad behaviors and, you know, doing weird things. There's an idea that just wasn't fully crystallized. It just, it didn't fully get there. And there's a lot of directions you could go with that. And so like, I just, maybe if this one had simmered a little while and, you know, they might've figured out something better, but where it is now, I just didn't feel like it said much. I'm fine with it being cut. I didn't hate it though. You know, it had its moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve? Yeah, not hated is a great rating. <laughs> <laughs> not hated rated, I'll give it. But it's not a, a brand new concept to harp mm-hmm. on. Oh, husbands are like children and the wives right. are like the mothers that need to keep them in order because they can't take care of themselves. Yeah, sure, they put that through a whole COVID lens and they have the uh, the the viral videos of kids doing dumb things that's really popular on YouTube and stuff that uh, makes this so recognizable. Mm-hmm. You know, all of that, it works for it. It's kind of stale, but I think what saves it is Alex's performance. He does a good naughty puppy. He does. He does a good naughty puppy. And I think yeah. there was a, enough of a, of a tortured adult yes. in that to come through <laughs> so that you got pretty much the message they were trying to uh, convey with this and, and the performance juvenile performance that that sells the concept itself mm-hmm. so yeah i mean it's it's not breaking any new ground maybe uh, it was short enough that we could have seen that in the show but uh i'm not missing it yeah. i'm glad i saw it that's about it yeah. maybe a c c minus overall yeah c c minus not hated yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. it didn't actively offend us <laughs> all right well the next sketch we want to talk about is an ad for a very cool vacation spot, your house. Steve, <laughs> how'd you feel about it? <laughs> <laughs> underwhelmed. Mm. I feel underwhelmed by it. I feel like I saw Easter mass. Yeah. Or was it Christmas mass? Was it they Easter? did a graduation one. They did mm-hmm. Easter with the family. We've seen this Sunday, 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 um, yeah. paired to the mundane a lot yeah. of times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this was something that I think could never reach those heights uh, with the limitations they had. It suffered for it. I mean, the the whole battery motif throughout was giving me a <laughs> chuckle. Yeah, the editing, the energy, that was still all there, but it, it just needed a little bit more coverage that I think is not available from just inside the home. So it probably belongs on the cutting room floor, unfortunately. Yeah, they had some good observations going, some good jokes about it with the batteries and the Tylenol PM, you know, some fun, relatable things, but overall, just nothing to really send it over the top for me either. I agree. John? 
yeah, the, the trick with this one is the real or not the real, but the, the previous outings of this particular sketch, mm-hmm. they all take place in the real world as well. This isn't a live in studio type of thing. This is meant to mash up the mundane with trying to paper over the boredom with intense editing and fisheye lenses. But because all the other outings take place in the real world as well, when you see this one with the slapdash quality and the, the rougher edges and just less to draw on as far as the subject matter and what they could fill the time with, you know, what gags they could build in when you literally have to shoot it in your house. Mm-hmm. because this was so constrained, but the end product ends up looking very similar to the other ones. You don't really grade it on the SNL at home curve, the same way you mm-hmm. would some other sketches. You're, you're looking at it compared to the other outings that had way more advantages as far as production quality and where they could shoot. So for that, it, it feels a little weaker. So I, I consider it a solid try. I do like the idea of things are so boring. So how do we sell it? Well, we just sell it right. with that skater punk in your face, extreme kind of editing. I, I, I get that. And I do, I do like the joke, but it just doesn't hold up compared to the other ones. And mm-hmm. for that, it, it feels unnecessary. Yeah. I like the, the route they took, like that style of parody is fun. Mm-hmm. And I like what they were trying to say with your house sucks. Um, <laughs> But I feel like those two things were not bashed together. We're not the best route to go with this. Sure. Like if they had done a sketch about like trying to sell your house as a vacation home in a different way, I think it could have been much better. Like if it was maybe like a little sweeter, like there could have been something fun with that. But I think, like you said, the way it's so similar to those, you're, you're then comparing it to different things and it yeah. just, it didn't work. Yeah. Not me. the strongest material. Not, not at all. Yeah. All right. The last sketch of our season 45 uh, SNL roundup here. Alex finds that self-love was what he was looking for all along in the trailer for Be My Quarantine. <laughs> John, what did you think of it? It's Be My Quarantine. Be My Quarantine, you're right. You're right. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> I even put the dash in there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think this one, in a way, suffers a little bit from what the house promo one suffers from, which is limiting it to in your house kind of kills the genre they're, they're trying to ape, right? The, the romantic comedy trailer, I don't know, there's a slickness to them that mm-hmm. needs to be preserved for it to kind of work. So when it's so obviously handheld cell phone footage in your house and really like airy echoey sound and all that kind of stuff, it, it really makes it hard to look at this like it's a movie trailer. So that I found was a little challenging. I like Alex and I like what he does. And, and even in the, the material that he had tonight that we didn't think was tops, I always think that that he brings something special to it. And in this, he was legitimately two different characters and, and there, <laughs> there, there is something kind of dark uh, about that idea of uh, someone having a, a mental break because of quarantine <laughs> or quarantine. So there was stuff to like here, but the, the packaging of it, the finished product, because it's the, the rough at home look, it's harder to sell it as like a movie trailer because of that. It, it fell a little flat. I agree. There was something to be desired with, you know, the editing and the not being able to do the full parody. I like what it was saying, though. There's a lot of sort of self-help people saying, you know, that this time in isolation is the time to fall in love with yourself. And I like that they sort of took that and ran with it in (laughs) such a weird, dark way. And so I appreciate like coming from that angle. I think it it was a fun idea. And, you know, it worked for me, especially if we graded on that at home curve. Mm -hmm. I think it was it was good. It was not great. But I liked it. I would give it like a C plus or maybe a B on that curve. But for standard SNL trailer parodies, obviously, 
it leaves something to be desired. Sure. Steve, what are your thoughts? It's all been said. I enjoy that they're putting that message out there. You know, learn to live with yourself, love yourself. (laughs) And I've been watching way too many Hallmark romance films uh, as of late. So, I mean, the, the genre references were on point. You're probably right about, you know, technical limitations, keeping this at a level lower than where it could have gone. And yeah, it was a little bit strange that it got like immediately sexual. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that was the angle they wanted to take just to, to put a little punch in it. But let's give a shout out to Bowen because yeah. <laughs> he did a really great job as the best friend character that we see in every single one of these movies. And if he never made it onto SNL, I mean, he could have played that role <laughs> yeah. in, in some of these films. Legitimately. You could have a solid career as that character. Yeah. <laughs> as rom-com definitely, sidekick. Definitely could Absolutely. have quartered that market. If Sex in the City was still on the air, he'd be all over that. I'd watch it. I'd watch it too. <laughs> but this I could live without. As much as I enjoy seeing Alex, this is not my favorite work of his throughout the season. Yep. So let's leave it in the exclusives. And keep it excluded from the show. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Well, John, would you like to do our little final wrap up here? Yes. Okay. So we've now completed the semifinals or we're about to complete the semifinals (laughs) because we've had a handful of these throughout the season where we've covered the best of the rest up to that point. So what we're going to do is first, we're going to look at these seven and we're going to figure out our best of the rest for these. And then we're going to take a look at the ones that we've picked previously and figure out our best of the rest for the entire season. So, Steve, let's start with you. Of these final seven SNL at-home digital exclusives, which one was the best of the rest? I think probably Lockdown Song because it appealed to all my senses. I was having a good time jamming with the music. There was some good humor there. The performances were on point. And I thought it was pretty clever with some of the turns that it took as a narrative. So. All that makes me like it. I was thinking about, you know, the quality of post-production on this, and it's making me wonder, maybe the reason that we're seeing some of these cut sketches look so good, like this one and the prom sketch that we were talking about last cast, Mm -hmm. maybe when they decide that it's not going to be in the show, that gives them a little bit more time to work on it for release online. Mm. Maybe the reason they look so good and we're wondering why they weren't in the show is the reason why they look so good. That's an interesting point. Now, typically that wouldn't be the case because they still have to have them basically ready to air regardless. And they, they usually drop them on the Sunday and it's not like anyone's working Saturday night, Sunday morning to punch them up a bit. So in normal circumstances, that couldn't be the case, but with the SNL at homes, there's a lot more kind of reshuffling and just trying to sort out what you had to work with from week to week. And, and some things did get repurposed after the fact. So maybe some of these were cut a little earlier on and they did continue to play with them as time allowed it. Yeah. In this scenario, it's absolutely possible. Yeah. Because they're not cutting it based on Rubik's that they would normally use, like taking it through dress rehearsal and see the reactions they get, because we're not mm-hmm. getting that anymore. They might just be like stringing together these rough cuts and saying, okay, this works as a show. Maybe they're making that decision a little bit earlier than they would. Well, they would have to because then they've got to try and time everything out too. So everyone needs to do a final pass before the mm-hmm. 1130 air. So who knows? I mean, it's such a, <laughs> an odd production to try and dismantle that way. Um, but that's certainly possible. Maybe they did give these a little bit of extra love after the fact. Yeah, that's just a thought I had. But either way, that's my pick. Okay. Catherine, what do you got? 
Uh, well, I have a feeling I'm going to be alone in giving it to Animal Crossing. Okay. Uh, it, it really worked. It spoke uh, if to you. If you're, if you're in the know and you kind of know the characters and you're familiar with them, I think it has a lot going for it. So that's Very all I really good. have to say. I'm giving it to Dr. Burke's ad. I don't think that this was stunning, but we didn't have really anything that I thought really, you know, was a shoe in tonight, but I think it was a smarter idea. And mm -hmm. there was something really amusing about the passive aggressive nature of her knowing that she's all that and realizing that people in the country are just too dumb to, to recognize. <laughs> like it, there, there's no lack of uh, self-esteem on her part. It's just the just the incredulousness of knowing that people just can't appreciate how awesome you are. Like there, there was something really fun about that. So why not? If you know, if you don't care about my degrees, I might as well make some money off these stupid scarves. <laughs> That's a great starting point. That yeah. was fun. That was a little smarter and there's a comment there. And so for, you know, the at home kind of fair where you do got to sometimes just put your impressionist front and center and camera and just see what you get out of it. I think this one did come together pretty well and uh, I enjoyed it. Thought it was smart. Okay, so we have our picks for this outing of Best of the Rest. Now we're going to do our final finals. What do you call it in sports? The Super Bowl? What, what, what are we doing right now? What, what is it after semifinals? The final, right? Yeah, because it shows how much sports ball I watch. Um, <laughs> okay, so now we're into the Best of the Rest finals. So factoring in the winners of our mid-season cut for time reviews, of these finalists, which sketch is the Best of the Rest? Our first semi-finalist is Date in Mexico. That was Steve's pick from the Will Ferrell episode for our Before Christmas Fair. Next was Cast List, also from Will Ferrell. Now, that's the one where Will Ferrell is the uh, drama teacher slash wannabe director who's uh, torturing his theater tech nerd kids who are all waiting to see if they made the cut. That was my pick from Before Christmas. And then from our next outing, uh, we picked You Go Show, which was from the John Mulaney outing, where he's giving backhanded insults to his guests and then just basically, you know, tells them to go without any fanfare. Um, so just, yeah, snarky host type of sketch. After that, we get message to the girls from the boys, which we all know, cause we just covered that last week. That was our, our prom in absentia, a love letter. And then this week we have lockdown song, animal crossing and Dr. Burke's ad. So, uh, who are we starting with? Are we start with Catherine. Sure. So what is, uh, what's your pick? I'm going to say it was cast list. I think it was a really popular cut for time sketch, first yeah. of all. So it sort of became its own thing. And like, it was the joke of it almost. Yeah. And uh, the passion that, that you then know the cast members have for this <laughs> sort of makes it more endearing as you watch it. But I also just think it's a super fun sketch, you know, because there is that sort of aspect to like high school theater and they're, they're all so being so dramatic about it. Like if I don't get this part, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> Um, I thought they nailed it. And then we had some fun stuff with Keenan's character. I just thought this one was really fun and I liked it. I think it became a thing of its own. So, yeah. yeah. All right, Steve, what do you got? You know, I'm sure I really enjoyed the cringe of, of Dayton, Mexico, but the fact that I'm fuzzy in my memory of it <laughs> probably leads me to believe that it just didn't have that staying power. I, I remember cast list well, mm -hmm. and yeah, I, I still think back on that one fondly. That was definitely a Showtime tier sketch mm -hmm. that would definitely belong in the Will Ferrell uh, episode or any episode. But of course, Will Ferrell was a big part of why it worked. So it's right. probably best used there. I think I will switch over to 
the other Will Ferrell sketch in this list <laughs> and say cast list. Okay. That's my we, pick. We're two for two on cast list. Yeah. No pressure. All right. Tom. Well, this is easy. I'm making it unanimous. That was the one <laughs> that I think probably was a tragedy. Uh, that's one that should have made it into the show. And I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure it was a legit cut for time situation, not a nixed after dress kind of situation. Yeah, it's long. Yeah. So I, I can understand how they could get backed into a corner on that one, but it was so much fun. You touched on it, <laughs> Catherine. It's, it's just how devastated and emotional these teenagers are. Cause they're teenagers. Like they're already like super ramped up and just like in the, the throes of like the most <laughs> passionate time in their life. And then they have this guy just, you know, puppeteering them and playing them off against each other and just pulling the strings and toying with them. Like mm-hmm. they're, like their ants and um, <laughs> just that, that, that dynamic of, of his power trip and them totally subservient to it. Like they just want this so bad. They'll do anything. Oh, so much fun. I, yeah. I really, really enjoy that. And it, it holds up. We, we saw some fun stuff in the uh, SNL at home era. I really like the, the prom message from the boys. I thought that mm-hmm. was solid, uh, but yeah, cast list. It, it's still, if we're going to look at stuff that touches on the high school experience, cast list still yeah. takes the cake. So, I think it's unanimous. All right. Well, that's a wrap on season 45. Thanks to Steve Finn and John Murray. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Marissa Eubank, Aaron Intrader, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back soon to cover some fun SNL-related topics as voted on by our listeners. If you'd like to suggest a topic, contact us at snlpodcast.com or find us on social media at snlpodcast. But until then, this has been episode number 113 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. 